This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 846, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. You with the ears there. Hanging around downtown by myself and I had so much time to sit and think about myself and then there she was like double cherry pie yeah there she was like disco super fly Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 846. The numbers are so big that I frequently nearly transpose them because they're abstract. Like 846, 648, 468. Like I don't even, and it doesn't make sense. I don't automatically go, no, we've done 800 of them. Like I, I don't know. Everything after like 300 was just a big number. Yeah. I am Josh Flanagan. I have apparently some sort of confusion about digits and integers. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. How are you with numbers? You know, not the best. Not the best. I hit the wall at some point. You are the best. You're the best on the iFanboy team, though. (sighs) Am I? I don't know. You're the number guy. I mean, obviously. I can keep track of them. I just, math, I was a good math student until about sophomore year of high school. And then whatever it jumped up to the next level, I was like, oh, I don't understand this at all. Really? I find that surprising. Yeah, I'm not a good math student. Huh, because I think of you as very sort of logical and ordered, and that would work for you. Nope. 
Nope. Smartest brain. I was good at it, but I hated it. Mm, you know what I no. mean? Like, my SAT score for math was higher than my English score, which surprised me. Not me, for sure. Yeah. And I was like, oh, apparently I can do that thing. But I don't like it. Right. Like, I get it. I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't know why I have to learn this. I'm never going to use it. Like, I totally understand. Anyway, we are at Fanboy <laughs> every this week. It's not a math show. Well, no, it's, this, is about, uh, this is about life. And so, therefore, I think yeah. it applies. Every week, yeah. one of us picks the book they like. And some random shit they want to start talking about because <laughs> basically if we talk about something randomly, right. somebody's going to go, oh, man, I'm the same way about math. And I'm going to be like, this is why I do it. This is why I've done this for 468 episodes. <laughs> yeah. 687 episodes. <laughs> uh, this, the pick of the week is the book one of us like the best. We talk about that. We talk about other books of the week. There's a patron pick where you, the patron, you, you listening isn't necessarily a patron, but a patron is listening. So I'm talking to them right now, not the you yeah. who isn't a patron. And, let, let, you know, I'm not going to guilt you, but let me ask you the question, why not? <laughs> we will also answer listener mail if we have time. This is your spoiler warning, exercise caution. Connor, you have the pick of the week. I did, and, and last week was a fifth week event, and we talked about in the show how it was pretty light, and there wasn't a lot to talk about, and not fifth week event, that doesn't sound right at all. We're on the last day of the heat, and my brain is very nicely cooked, and so I may say the wrong words sometimes, because it's just awful here. Anyway, last week was fifth week, kind of light, but still a lot of interesting things to talk about. This week, not a fifth week, still pretty light. And when I finished reading my stack, I was like, ooh, oh no. Because <laughs> there were a lot of books that were good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of books that we're going to talk about um, were good like setup issues or middle issues. You know, like getting from one act to the next act or one, one point to the next point. You know, they were good. But, you know, nothing to really blow you away. And I, so I finished my stack and I went off and did some stuff. And I texted Josh and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I got to think about it. And I ended up going with She-Hulk, appropriately numbered 169, from Rainbow Rowell, Luca Moresca, Rico Renzi, and Joe Carmagna. See, that number, if you transpose the, the digits in that, then they don't make sense. Well, I know this isn't the 600th or 900th issue. It could be 196. But... <laughs> I've been enjoying this entire series. We talked this series a lot. This is probably, I think, the second time it's been pick of the week. Out of six, this is the sixth issue of this volume. There's almost nothing in She-Hulk that's going to blow you away. You're not going to go, <laughs> that holy last, shit. That last word was key, because you paused. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a really good book that Rainbow Rowell is using to straddle several genres. I mean, She-Hulk's always been that kind of character in comics where, you know, as established by John Byrne in the 80s with her original series, you know, it's as much a lawyer book as a superhero book, and, and this is as much a romance comic as it is an adventure book. There's a lot going on here, genre-wise. And when you take a step back and you don't really know what you're going to pick and look at this issue, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot going on that's really fun. And at the end of the day, it actually made my choice very easy. Because what this book does is makes me happy. It's a great story. The characters are fun. The art's terrific. And it's unlike every other superhero comic that I'm reading right now. And that's a lot of fun. She-Hulk's always been one of those characters I really enjoy. She's, you know, one of those great, I don't even, I guess a B-level character, one of those great B characters that you're always happy to see show up. She's unlike others. She's not like the Hulk. She's very comfortable in her body and her skin. And if that means she towers over everybody, so be it. And so here we have, I don't know how much of a meta commentary this is, but the very first page is She-Hulk at a bakery and she says okay sure i'll try the cheesecake and i don't know if that was like a meta thing or not <laughs> she and everyone's favorite bestie patsy walker are having fancy dress and cake wednesdays she is the bestie of many isn't she i can think yeah. of three right off the bat she's like spider woman jessica jones and she hulk yeah uh, so i guess yeah. spider woman and captain marvel are best friends it doesn't tony. matter and, and tony stark yeah Anyway, they're having fancy dress and cake Wednesdays at this bakery. They're talking about Jack of Hearts. She she stole or purloined Jack of Hearts' Avengers file for She-Hulk. Jack of Hearts has shown up in She-Hulk's life living in her apartment, or the apartment Janet Van Dyne gave her after dying way back in Avengers Disassembled, which was, what, 2000? 2000? 1999? 
Long Around time there. ago. Long time Not ago. like this. 20 years ago. And in the midst of that, she's also dealing with her law practice. She's got a new job. And, you know, her new boss, is, Mallory Book, is adamant that she hooked sign no superhero clients, which is diametrically opposed to how it's going on the TV show. And unfortunately, that's Jen's world. And so here she's got a fun little meeting with Nightcrawler, who uh, is incognito. He's wearing a hat, so no one can see that it's him. And basically wants her to represent all of Krakoa. And the giant size of that business uh, placates the boss, because that's a lot of business. That represents many billable hours. Oh, yeah. They'll need yeah. more lawyers for that one. And then the end of the issue, we finally get what we've been waiting for for six issues. Even if it's still overall somewhat perplexing, is Jen and Jack make out on the couch and then walk to the bedroom. And Jen gives us a little look at the end, which is, I think, the first time we've, we've had her sort of break the fourth wall in this book, which used to be a She-Hulk hallmark. I guess she does. I wasn't thinking of that. She gives us a little tiny look. and It's it's far enough away. It's a long shot that it's not super obvious, but it looks, I mean, she's, I don't know. Who no, else yeah, she's, she's I see that. I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I thought it was like a final check of the room. She's, mm-hmm. she's a superhero. She's used to checking her security or whatever, but I think that you make a valid point. That's certainly possible. And I know that Rainbow is, is very much a fan of the, of the burn stuff. Right. Like that was her jam. So it's, yeah. I mean, if that is the case, I think that's really brilliantly subtle. Yeah, I, I liked how it wasn't, it wasn't like knocking us over the head. It was just a little mm-hmm. nod to it. I don't know if you noticed, Josh, or realized, but Jack of Hearts has a mansion in Connecticut. They mention it about 45 I, times in the issue. Yeah. yeah, I did notice. I just thought this was super fun. I, I think Luca Maresca is terrific, yeah. especially for this kind of story where he did a great fight scene in the first issue. But mostly it's been sort of romance comic-y. And he does great acting and great facial stuff, and it's really terrific. I mean, I was looking through this, and it, it does it does have the feeling of a a different genre of comic, I guess. Like mm-hmm. this issue doesn't have any action; it doesn't feel like no. an action comic. It doesn't look like unless it you're is. talking about the action on the couch. Hey, oh, hello. You know, but when you you talk about, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it because I don't know, but. It's about like how this woman is running her life and how she looks. And it's like a different set of standards than what we normally see in comics that are all from a super male perspective. And as I look through it, like the the fancy dress day and the glamour sort of of the things and, and they do that. And, you know, that first page when she's looking at the cakes and she just say, I'll try the cheesecake. I think it's pretty obvious. Like she's reading it that way. You know, all the men, you know, are wide eyed staring at her. Actually, one of those might be a woman, but who could blame her? Well, she looks great in the dress. She looks amazing, and it's it's one of those things like you've got a drawing, and she's like she's got a like a you know like a sexy body or whatever how you draw it, but she's also got her muscles and she's whatever. And yeah, I like think, those triceps. And the, the idea is the men are just like I don't know what to make of this, but I can't look away. Mm-hmm. And I think that the drawing does the same thing. And now comes the small nitpick of mm-hmm. the day. Look at her ankle, the yeah. front facing angle. That ain't right. Right. That ain't right. Also, it's the same thing on the next page in the second panel. Like, everything looks awesome. It doesn't curve like, like that. Yeah. Ankles don't curve. Whatever. Fine. You know, it's good. But then you then you go the next step and you look at the colors of everything. And she is green. And she's this really, like, great shade of green. Yeah. That, you know, draw, draw, and then the, her, her dress is yellow, which just tends to, you know, exaggerate that. Every character has a different color palette. Mm-hmm. And it's really, like... It lets you know it's got it's just got a, an aesthetic that I think is really strong when you're not talking about superhero costumes. Everybody's in street clothes. Now she's green, you can pick her out or whatever, but and her boss has this blue and orange palette and Andy's gray. Kurt's wearing blue and purple. Right. And Jagarts has a big red heart on a white shirt. You know? Yeah. It, it's this little it's just that little bit of craft that that designates a comic book that has been thoughtfully produced. And and you don't notice it until you notice it, and then you can like appreciate it. And then there's even like, I don't it, like again. I, I'm really noticing colorists lately. I don't know what that's about, but you know, there's a page where he's about to touch her, and they're worried about it because they cut to a flashback of the last time he touched her, and they colored it bright yellow. So there's no confusing the fact that yep. that panel is not happening on this page. And it could, you could, it, like, I've read other comics where it is not clear, and here they left no doubt in it, and it is, like, top-level comic book storytelling. This is the stuff you gotta do to get it right. And even, like, on that second-to-last page, they go into the bedroom, and, you know, they're sort of touching hands here, 
and the background of that one is purple, which highlights that moment. It keeps it, it um, keeps dramatizes the focus that on, panel. on that. Yeah, yeah. Rico Renzi is the colorist. He did really great work. Black science, maybe. I, I was looking at. Oh, it was an image from Spider Man from Amazing Fantasy last week that uh-huh. that I posted on Instagram that that uh, Matt Wilson colored, and uh-huh. I was trying to. Dis- oh. It's not flat coloring, but it's not the kind of coloring where you're trying to render out every muscle with the mm-hmm. color or every shade of the color. Right. You're you're supporting the work and giving it texture and depth, but you're not trying to put things in that aren't there. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. And this is the color that I like the best, where it's yeah, it's not just flat coloring. It's not like the '60s. It's not just like using the paint can button on mm-hmm. Photoshop, but it, there's texture and there's there's depth, but there's not too much going on. Like She Hulk is face is green. He's not mm-hmm. trying to shade in her cheekbones with color. Right, right. right. And this is how I like it. Look at the scene uh, with Andy on the subway. Yeah, great. The, the lighting light. there, yeah. and then you cut. To, is is go, the subway like a disco now in New York? What is going on? Listen, with the it's, and... it's very possible that something has gone wrong with the lights on a subway in New York City. <laughs> Let's just... Also, that color, that sickly green, that's what it feels like a lot of times. <laughs> so that, it's just a, it's a visual interpretation. Well, especially when they're... This F train will be skipping your stop. Ugh. She comes into the, the building that she uh, lives in, in yeah. the next page, and like look at the light. She looks at herself in the reflection takes the green out of her face it's kind oh, of yeah. yellowish well, she looks human and then or not human but she looks I'm gonna, normal i'm gonna keep going one more mm-hmm. look at the shading on the wall the cross hatching that actual like comic yep. book drawing to sh- it almost looks smudgy but it's just cross hatching it's just all like th- i think what's really nice about this art is the more you look at it the better it gets yeah it's really it's really um understated mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not flashy it's it's not like this isn't you know mateo scalera Blowing you away with the, the right. panel construction, or or you know, um, by the way, Marco Cicciano with his crazy coloring, but it'll, it, it's a, it's really quite good. I said Scalera needed to stop it, but I didn't mean it. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. Come back. This is how I like comics to look. Yeah, no, it is great. It's perfect for this thing. Rainbow had said something to me when she was describing the character and why she liked her, and she was like, and she said, she goes, "This is a character who wants to have sex." <laughs> no, but she meant it yeah, like yeah. as a normal person. Yeah. It's not the dramatic soap opera version of that. Like, it's yeah. a thing. She likes a thing. It's fine, which She's is a very normal she adult wants, thing. Yeah. But adult. it doesn't get treated that way in comics a lot. It's interesting that you made this pick of the week, and it was one of those things where I didn't really think about it. And if I look down the list of, of the books that we're talking about today, on all the books that I read out of that list, I liked them. Not, yeah. not, not, not like, oh, they're okay. Like, I thought pretty good books of what I read. But when, when you said this is a pick of the week, I went, yeah. And, and I, like, I, it had crossed my mind for a second, but it's the same thing you said in the beginning. Like, there's not a reason for it. Right. And, and it wasn't really until we sort of started talking about it and digging into what it is you're looking at that you're like, oh my God, there's a billion reasons to like this. And every scene had its own reason to like it. Like, the oh, pad, the, the opening scene with Jen and Patty was great. They have a great friendship. Patty's a great character. You know, they have this history together as Avengers and and Jen's life is weird, so she's not she's really on the outs and with the Avengers, so Patty has to help her, and that was fun. And then the Patsy. Patsy. Why don't I see Patty? Patsy. And then the work scene with Andy and Mallory Book. We, we we've not mentioned that Andy is the is the I thought he's not the assistant, he's the partner of the firm who is a robot with a blockhead, and so he has to talk through a through a uh, chalkboard. If he's a partner, why aren't you going after superhero clients? I don't understand. There is a logical fallacy there. <laughs> and so, you know, the whole stuff with Nightcrawler was fun, where it, it dawns on Jen that this is could be very good for her, yeah. work-wise. That she, there's a lot of work at Krakoa, just between all the paternity tests. I gotta say, a scene where a person doesn't know what to do, and they're feeling really lost, and then a huge employment opportunity comes along <laughs> out of nowhere, uh, was very attractive to me. You know, I noticed, I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier, but almost every character in this book doesn't need a costume to be identified between Correct. Nightcrawler, Jen, and Jack of Hearts. They all have distinctive in-street clothes. And Patsy yeah. Walker even a little bit, too. Like I knew who she was immediately without seeing who mm-hmm. the, the thing. And then, you know, she gets home... And then the, you know the long scene with Jack, like all every every sequence. It's basically three three sequences, uh, and they're all terrific. Yeah, this is but a great it, book. The, again, like if you were to tell me, like, hey, what happened in this book? 
nothing on its own is groundbreaking, but it was all moving a plot forward, and it was, it was, you know, like she had a good day. Yes. You know, this was Jen's good day, and, and it is starts means, with cake. It's, it's a great true. day. That's absolutely true. I'm it guessing starts with that cake happened. and ends with sex. It's a <laughs> what, what more do you want? <laughs> cake got a good job and sex. That is a great day. Yeah, she had a great life. day. This should be called she. This should be called Jennifer's great day. I gotta say, I very much like the cover as well. Patsy gets sent to the side for a night curl on the cover. They're having English tea uh, appropriately this week. But these, all of these covers have some very sort of. They're not bodice ripper covers, but they no. recall sort of romance. Well, this one for specifically is a little stiff, and yeah. the composition is a little wooden, but like it works. But look at their legs; they're crossed. Yeah, like they're both sitting with their legs crossed, and both of their so their so their feet are crossed over each other, which is like body language stuff. Actually, like, yeah. Look at her. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick on something again. Yeah. Look at the position of her left leg mm-hmm. compared to where her knee... Like, that doesn't work. Who knows with She-Hulk? Well, her left leg should be further forward. The knee needs to be under that crook. Mm. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's a good cover. I still like it, but that's an anatomy problem. <laughs> so that was my favorite book of the week. But there were other... Like Josh said, I, I liked a lot of these things this week. Mm-hmm. And another book I enjoyed was Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms, number one, which was a one-shot special tying into Tom Taylor's Dark Knights of Steel fantasy Elseworlds book that's not an Elseworlds book this features three stories one by Tom Taylor and then two others by other people I've never heard of but they were equally fun yeah yeah. I, when I first started this I thought oh no I don't I, I, I was ready for the next chapter or whatever mm-hmm. and then I saw like other people had written the other bits and I was like ah it's no good but actually I, I thought all the stories worked they all felt of a part. They all felt consistent. If you told me that Tom Taylor had written all these, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that works. Yep. Yeah. The first story is a Jimmy Olsen story that's basically issue length. I think it's 20 pages. So this would be like a full issue if it was on really? his own. And that's a fun one where we see Jimmy get rescued from the Arkham Orphanage by Perry White and his wife. And he helps uncover that they're experimenting on kids at the orphanage that's how you're getting all the batman villains like the penguin and mm-hmm. and uh, killer croc and people but they're like not that. villains yet right but the characters you know are being experimented on that's why they're different looking mm-hmm. in a nice twist amanda waller who is sort of like the uh, head of security for the elves uh doesn't or who's the who's the doctor uh which, which character is it is it arkham elizabeth arkham oh okay elizabeth arkham Instead of, you know, putting her in a dungeon, she, she, Amanda Waller's going to have Elizabeth Arkham experiment on some people for her secretly without the... So there's, you know, some intrigue there. It may never go anywhere, but it's a fun little... What Tom Taylor does is he builds a very interesting world out. And whether or not he explores every corner of it, it is irrelevant. It's that you know that there's something shady going on yeah. in this corner of it. And you could always go back there if you want, but if not, it's there. The second story was about how Prince Cal wants to go out to the world and, and just see the people as not as the prince. So he goes undercover with... Court Jester Harley Quinn and Bruce tags along, and they're all in disguise, and they get robbed by the Robins. This is a prequel; they're all kid, they're all like young teenagers, and this is how the Robins come to work for for basically for Bruce. It was a little mm-hmm. you know origin story there, and then the final one, which I liked a lot, was King's Bane, where yeah, Bruce comes across Bane, and Bane is sort of a revolutionary. He used to work for the Waynes, who were a powerful family. And he wants Bruce to overthrow the king with him, and it doesn't go his way. I thought this was a great story, too. I thought this was all, these were all really fun. Yeah, this one, the plotting of that Bane story had a real Game of Thrones sort yes. of, sort oh, of for sure, uh, yeah. you know, concept to it, I think. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked how it was... It, I think we've said this before about this book, is that it's very good at... And again, t- Taylor didn't write this one, but what nope. it did do was the same thing that I, I've said was strong about this, is that... The characters are analogs, but what they do and where they fit in things is not the same as in the modern world. So a guy who's a bad guy in the sort of, you know, standard DC comics isn't necessarily here. Right. Or, you know, like like Supergirl has a different... It's still Supergirl, but she's a different place in this world. And therefore, what she does is different than it would be in the other one. And I think that keeps it fresh. Because, yeah. it's, it's you know, we've talked about this. One more thing. If, if you know these characters and they make these characters exact act exactly like they do in Earth 2, then... You know, then you know everything is going to happen, but, right? Know. And they may still at the end, but for sure. now, it's it's very interesting. Bane has a giant, giant sword that he uses to cut people's heads off. The mountain who walks. C.S. Picot is the writer on this, and Michelle Bandini was the art. I thought the art was terrific too. There's a lot of interesting canted panels, and 
Yep. The coloring by Antonio Fabella, who's no slouch, was strong. This was a fun little one-shot. Like, if, if they wanted to break this up or just use this to explore the world a bit, you know, we may never see Bane again. We may never see Amanda Waller again. We may never see Elizabeth Arkham again. We've seen the Robins, obviously. One thing that's promising about this Dark Knights of Steel is that the further you go into it, the better it gets. And I think DC was like that, too. Yep. Like, at first, you're like, eh, I'm not sure about this. But the more that it gets explored and the more that it gets built out, it gets better. And a lot of times, that is not the case. It will go the opposite. Like, the more it goes, like, all right, there's nothing here. Let's move along. But, you know, the world is full of potential and possibility, and, it, and it's interesting, and it's it's being handled in the right way. Dark Knights of Steel is a 12-issue miniseries, but it may be that, like, Deceased, we, we actually get more of them if it's popular enough. And yeah. Tom Taylor really gives to... There's a lot here. Deceased yeah. is fairly straightforward. In it, you know, it's a battle against, basically, zombies. But it, there's a lot to, to look at in that straightforward idea here. You've got an entire world mm-hmm. that you could really explore if you really had the will to. And then come up with a video game franchise yeah. and... If you're lucky. The whole deal. That Texas Blood has been terrific lately. This is issue 17. And this is one of the ones I was talking about specifically where I thought this was a terrific issue. But it really was like the roller coaster climbing up the track. And at the end of the issue, we are at the top. And we're not next issue. We're going to go right down. That's what I'm really excited about. This is more like a master class, quite frankly, on oh my building God. tension. But the release hasn't come yet. I got to the end. I just wanted to read the next one. I, well, I got to, it, again, this is one of those ones. I, I got to the end of it and I was like, this book is amazing. It, it, because it was so quiet and it was like waiting to drop over the cliff. And I just finished it. And again, in the beginning, we're like, I don't know if they quite have it. I'm not sure yep. it is. And, and then since then, I just, I thought, I don't know. I still know who Chris Kondo is. I don't know anything else he's ever done. But this Condon, is, I missed it then. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense. My end is sticking. My end key is starting to stick. I thought this is one of the best books I'm reading right now. And and it is at the point for a little while I got behind and I had to read like three or four in a row to catch up. And since then, I can't read this fast enough. Yeah, the, you're exactly right. When this first came out, we were like, eh, I don't know. But it came across very quickly. And Jacob Phillips, obviously the son of Sean Phillips, is, oh. is terrific. And the writing has come along very fast. Like at the beginning, I was like, I'm not sure he's got it yet, but he figured it out very quickly. The last couple of arcs, that the one... That I thought I wouldn't like, the sort of cult one was terrific, which I I thought was one of the best ones. This one right now is like right up my alley with the creepy, Uh creepy masked serial killer in the coveralls. It's been great. The only negative I have to say, and I have, you know, just to be fair, is this B plot about the sheriffs and the previous sheriff who got killed and how it's affecting the sheriff's race. They spent a little too much time on it for how much I really care about it. I think you're Unless right. it's going to come around again. I was like, okay, you're spending a lot of time on this flashback. But it, it's also letting us get to know this guy, whose name I don't know, the mustache. <laughs> He's the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, sheriff guy. I mean, like, we finally got character development with him here because he is so taciturn. Mm. And, and like, when the other guy... The other, you know, he's trying, he's like, just talk to me. And I was like, yes, talk to him. And it's so unusual that you've got these two older men in Texas. And he's like, you got to talk it out. I was like, he's showing a remarkable amount of emotional intelligence (laughs) that I'm not sure that he possesses. But I was so glad he was doing it. And I I had sent you a, there are are some pages in here that are my absolute favorite kinds of pages. And I sent you a screenshot. I want them in his page two of this book. And it is uh, the woman driving home. So page before that, you see the guy breaking in and he's snipping the cable and breaking in through the door and you know going in it's all sound effects which by the way don't need to be there and aren't great i just don't like the i don't like the way the sound effects are actually produced yeah the next page though it's snowing she's driving home is a lot of quick inset shots you know between two wide establishing shots and there's a close-up every other panel of the light the red light and the last one We're is... zooming in the red light. Right? zooming in We're the red light. The light. last one's just a full red screen, you know, and, and then, the, you know, there's just that dark dashboard with a blinker on it. And I just thought, that is a goddamn page. And then, like, either Jacob Phillips, and I don't know how old he is. I know that Sean Phillips has been around a really long time, but, you know, you want to talk about a kid who, I don't know if he's a kid, but, like, he inherited every single bit of his father's ability to tell stories. Mm-hmm. There's another page. There's all these silent pages in here. Yeah, it's good. And it's, oh, it's so good. The only thing I didn't understand was she finds the guy 
in his garage and he cut himself. Yeah. Like I guess he tried to kill himself. But she looks over at the thing on the ground that he cut, and I have no. I was like, is that a rearview mirror with a really long post? Right. What is that? I don't know. It's got bulbs in it. It is definitely. It's, it definitely looks like a rearview mirror. If you look on page twelve, when she looks over and sees that that's what it was, yeah. There's like bulbs on the one side. I don't know if it's like a desk light. Oh. It does have bulbs. Oh, is it like a fluorescent light thing? I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. That's my criticism. Is like yeah. I don't actually know what he did. I'm not clear if he tried to kill himself. Is he the father of the girl that died in the first part? I believe so. Okay. That's what I, I believe thought. so. So you have the serial killer has targeted the woman, the basically the advent woman, Donna Abandando, of this of this uh <laughs> that that came from deep and I was like, I'm gonna just jump and see if it comes and it did. <laughs> She's the Don Abandondo of this office, and if you know, if you don't know what that means, I don't know. That's the most unexpected thing that happened to me today. I didn't even watch that show, but I knew what you meant. Holy shit! She's the admin of the sheriff's office, and she took a phone call from the from the the serial killer in the last issue, and so now he's targeting her. So the whole issue, he's breaking into her house, uh, preparing to kill her while she is going home during the blizzard in Texas, while the sheriff and his deputy are talking in his office. She finds the. I guess the father of the murder victim from the first part, and and she's like, you can't stay by yourself, so you're coming home with me, and so now this is this they're all gonna collide back at her house because I think it doesn't end with her pulling up to the house. So yeah, I'm glad to have turned in the kind of comic book reader who gets to a page where the killer it's a page mm-hmm. where the killer makes a sandwich. <laughs> That's all he makes a sandwich. He opens a beer and he sits on the counter and eats it. And I just I'd like that is this is my favorite thing to do with comic books. <laughs> like put you in a place yeah. control pacing you know like I, I i i would imagine there are people there's probably editors who are like why would you do that you're wasting a whole page in here and for me that's what's great about this book is that you get to live in it's a quiet book it's these interstitial moments of mechanics so like mm-hmm. the first page is him breaking into the house and sort of the mechanics mm-hmm. of that and then it's her going home it's the mechanics of that and yeah. then here it's Literally a page of making a sandwich. He's got the mayonnaise. He scrapes it on the the, the bread. Then he puts the meat on. Like it's like there's there's these there's these quiet mechanical pages where we just sort of contemplate what is actually happening, and that builds tension through that. And then they, where he shaves later on, the same yeah. thing. Like also, so what, he's leaving what, his DNA everywhere. I don't think he's concerned about it. I think that's like he's so chill, and like that makes him terrifying. And he's got that weird dumb face on because of his mask. You know, which makes him look like he's just content. Right. And I, I like that. I like that. This is th- what we're talking about, though, is it's like the comic book equivalent of cinematic. Like you could see it being done in the movie, but it's being done in comic book form, which is really hard. It doesn't sound like it is, but it is. It's great. And then finally, since we're staying on a theme, there's a flashback. They're watching a videotape of the thing that happened that is making the dude so upset. And they learned. Earlier in the series, they had had flashbacks, and it was unclear what was the flashback and right. what wasn't. But in this one, they colored it in such a way that it was unmistakably a thing that happened in the past. And I remember that was a specific problem with the first arc or whatever of this, is that they were jumping around in time, and I had no idea what yes. was where. And they figured it out, and they fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good issue. Yep. This might be a top five series for me right now. 18, I'm very excited for when, mm-hmm. it, when it comes out. It ends with that really creepy shot of his creepy face looking through the window as snow comes down and we pull out, pull out, pull out, pull out to see the car coming. Hmm. It's not going to be good the next issue for Donna. Certainly not. Uh, hey, I read Alien number one. You read all through? No, the reason why okay. I read it was because I'd read that first arc you know, about the, about the activists going to the station and fucking everything up. Yep. And then I was like, yeah, I think that's good. I'm done. Like, I don't need more. Like, sometimes you just, you're like, I'm done. That's fine. But then... Last week, I finally listened to your solo show, because I finally read the books, and uh, you were extolling the virtues of Alien, the series that Philip Kennedy Johnson's still writing. I think you're talking about Daniel in that, in that mm-hmm. show. And you were so eloquent about how much you loved it. I was like, well, fuck, I should probably read the next number one issue, even though we just had a number one issue. And I did. And I liked it, even though, again, this is, this is very much a setup issue, where, where things yeah. haven't really happened yet, which is why another, you know, there's a lot of that this week. I mean, the other thing is that, like, that series went on to sort of build out a lot and it's all described there's a very good recap paragraphs in these issues actually where they give you the timeline which is really nice also for the movies i was like oh that makes the movies clearer to me as well (laughs) so that's what happened in the third one and so like all of these things are 
I assume they'll come together in some way, but right now they're being built out separately. So there's this sort of backlog of, of plot and, and things that are, you know, happening. And this one was a different kind of story at the beginning. It was like, they made superhumans. And I was like, no, these are, these are synthetics. Yeah. And they've all decided they don't want to be part of this anymore and they go somewhere else. And I really, I really love the way that the alien world handles androids. Like right. it's, it's, you know, they're all over the place. It's very different. The, the um, who's Lance Henriksen? What's his, what's his, Whatever uh, his uh, deck, not deck. No, I can't. There's too many sci-fi androids. I think, and I don't know if it's like this in here, but in the comics, like there's different versions of him, and you're always thinking you're looking at the same person, right? But it's a different, and I, I think that's fantastic. You know, that I thought this issue was pretty good, but again, we're starting a new one. I just finished up a big arc. Bishop, two, Bishop, yeah. Bishop. There you go. Uh, you're gonna call him Deckard. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's I started going to the other the other androids. I was like, wait a minute, no, that's yeah. Who did the art on this one? Very good. Uh, Julius Orta. Yep. Terrific art. An alien story should be pretty goddamn simple. Some people or whoever are in a place and they're like, this time it'll be fine. <laughs> and you go, no, it won't. <laughs> and it, it isn't. And the, and the thing is, the humans always lose. That is the thing about the, like, one might get away, but if an alien shows up, most everyone is going to die. And quite frankly, most of them deserve it. Sure. Well... Not always, but most of them. The, the opening pages of this book is about basically how the tech bros of the of that this world who went and made their own planet, where there's no rules, no laws that are preventing them from making a tech utopia. And I was like, oh, kill them all. Yeah, kill them all. Yeah, they refer to the the this uh, this I forget what they're called, the spinners or the whatever the religious cult that was on the planet in two arcs ago. So that's in here. But the people on LV four twenty six, they didn't. They didn't. No, 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 some that. some did not all. Those are working class folks who needed jobs. Sure, 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 sure. Landed on a forsaken moon, and then, <laughs> then they got implanted with alien babies. It's nice to know that in the future, we haven't progressed beyond yoga pants. The utility is still there. Well, I think, I think everybody's happy about yoga <laughs> pants. Okay, it's some, there's something for everybody there. And they mostly come out at night. Mostly. <laughs> so, I'm back on this one. Uh, if you convince me, I'll go back and read the, the, the arcs I didn't read. I read that first arc, but I didn't mm-hmm. read beyond that. So, maybe I'll go back. I think the other arcs are better than the first one. Interesting. So, you're listening, you're thinking, I, I touched on this earlier, and you're thinking, this show's a good show, and I like it, it's a part of my life, and I decided to back that up by becoming a patron, and I feel really good about that. I'm guessing most of the patrons out there, the folks who went to patreon.com slash ifanboy, feeling pretty good about their decision to become patrons. And I can tell you one thing, I know I am. I hope so. We, we work hard to make it worthwhile. We do. We've definitely, a driving force is that, well, they've, they've done their thing, now we owe them. We have to do our thing, which is not altogether unpleasant. Uh, It is time-consuming. The (laughs) folks who do that directly support the show. They unlock shows for everybody. They are part of a great community, which has always been a a, you know sort of part and parcel of the iFanboy thing. And I think that none of this does the same thing without having just an awesome community uh, as part of it. Uh, It's like I don't want to say it out loud, but it it tends to be one of the most non-toxic internet communities, and it is continued that way. And uh, I'm so so proud of that. But you could be a part of that. Our next stretch goal is that uh, we will add comic book television coverage. Uh, I think I mentioned we should schedule a meeting, but I don't think we should. Yeah, well, you know, things have happened. I mean, That have taken precedence over this, unfortunately, which we will do. We will... We will do it. So we'll talk more about that. But everybody who does it, thank you. Everybody who doesn't, it'd be awesome if you did. But if you don't, that's your call, too. And we were not. Yeah, that's that's fine. Listen, that's we make this so you can listen to listen, it. You don't, you don't need to have a superpower. You can be a $1 patron. That's fine. But that's if true. not, also, you don't, there's no requirement. The show will never be behind a paywall. No. And we hope you enjoy it. And we hope you enjoy all the, all the new shows that are unlocked by the patrons who do join up. Because all those extra shows, all the splodes uh, that we do are because of them. You can go to ifamorethreadless.com. You can find 12 of our designs. You can put on t-shirts, sweatshirts, etc. Uh, goods. My Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters shirt. It's rounding a bend. I'm literally wearing my Stay Home and Read comic shirt right now. Right. I'm not complaining about that. Like, I have no issues with how this shirt held up. It's just that I've, you know. Wore it a lot. I've done, Yeah, no, I've used it. Yeah. And things that you use. It's your golden show boy. Age, yeah, and and I'm I'm cool with that, but it might be time for a new one. You can check out our many designs there. We're we're proud of all the things that are up there, and uh, thank you for for getting them and wearing them or putting the buttons on whatever it is you're doing with it. You go to ifm.com/support. You'll find a PayPal link if you don't want to deal with any of that stuff, but you want to help out. 
You can go to ifamo.com slash Amazon where you can find any, you can use that to just, you know, do your Amazon shopping, go to that portal, we get a portion of those. Or you can find the links for Books Below Books or the music on the shows or Pick of the Week is linked to buy it from Amazon should you choose to do so. And if you'd like to get books from independent booksellers, we've partnered with uh, bookshop.org, which uh, we'll put links on the site where we can and that lets you buy the books that we talk about from independent booksellers and such of your choosing or they choose or whatever, but those are uh, some of the most important businesses uh, in our culture. And so uh, that's a really good thing to do, and we are glad to be doing that. Moving along, Batman number 127. Wow, look at that team up. Before we do, I just want to I'll mention Alien again. So while you were talking, I went and looked at my library on my iPad. The last volume went 12 issues? Man. Probably. It looks like it. I read eight of the 12. I read the first oh, wow. arc, and then I read the first issue of the next arc. And so I just need to read a couple. So I downloaded them all while you were talking. Okay, cool. So Batman 127, Chip Zdarsky, Jorge Jimenez. I thought about this as a possible pick of the week because it features some terrific moments. One of those crowd-pleasing moments where, putting aside why it's happening, Batman's being browbeaten about Tim and says, he's your soldier, you should sacrifice him and, until Batman breaks and says, he's my son. And I was like, yes, he is. And then at the end, you know, you think Batman's beaten and he calls for help and you don't know what's going on until Superman shows up and he says, basically, get your hands off my friend. And I was like, oh my God, I love all this. The problem is, I don't know what's going on. Like, it's not the book's fault. It's it, This is a monthly book. And this week, I was like, I do not remember what happened in the last issue. I definitely read it. I just don't know why anything is happening. It's not the book's fault. It's my fault. There's a lot going on in the world in my brain. I was like, should I go back and read the last one? I was like, I don't, I don't have time. And so I was very confused. And also, because it's like a nesting doll of Batman's in this. Like, Batman... <sighs> He created the backup, the Zen Ra Batman, who's like Batman without the Bruce Wayne in him. But then there's a yeah. second backup, like he made his own backup, so it's like three Batman. I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I'm very confused. So mm-hmm. it's not again, not the book's fault. It looks great. It had great moments in it, but I, I might need to refresh this arc and reread reread it because I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I just had to let this one go. I didn't read the first one. It's very good. Yeah, I get it. I there's only been three issues. I know. I just forgot. I don't remember. And then the backup story, Catwoman, you know, the whole thing is that the Batman murdered Penguin and and that's a whole problem. But in this issue, we find out in the backup that Catwoman is tracked at Penguin down, working as a florist in Metropolis with facial reconstruction surgery. He framed Batman, as we all know he did. We knew Batman. Penguin wasn't really dead. What? Anyway, it is good. I'm not knocking the book. I'm knocking myself. I was like, I don't remember what happened. I'm very confused. Also, Zenera Batman was like 20 years ago. And I was like, wait, what was his deal again? I just didn't remember. Was that? That was Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison? Yeah. Yeah, you said it, and it was like barely registering. And I was like, I remember it. I definitely remember it. I definitely liked it at the time, but I couldn't tell you a thing about it just because it's been a long time. There's been a lot of comics. (laughs) Along with the theme of sort of liking something more, the more it came along, I find myself really liking the Punisher book. You do. You, You keep talking about it. Your ongoing curiosity you know, obsession with the Punisher book is interesting. This one, as we got, I mean, like the the hand thing at the beginning was like, I don't think I like this, but the book is kind of about discovering the fact that like Frank doesn't really like it either, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's turned, it didn't start off feeling like a Punisher book, but it's kind of turned into one, but it's also like, it's a, you know, it's a treatise on the nature of the kind of personality that it would take to be this way. And we sort of look back, there's, there's origin kind of stuff going on. It feels like a Jason Aaron book. Yeah. You know, in a way that, you know, the Avengers doesn't. I don't even mean that in a way, but it's sort of my initial, like, the other side scalped Jason Aaron, like, ooh, dark side of human nature. It's been really good. And I think that the art, Jesus says who's been around forever and can mm-hmm. kind of do anything. I really like the style that he's using in the main story. Paul has a set of, obviously on the backup, not backup, but like sort of flashbacky stuff. It's a really strong art team with Dave Stewart coloring both of them. Yeah. I mean, every issue that's come out, I've liked more than, than the last. And um, I guess that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I know I keep saying that, but the, the, the point is sort of the, the increasing, like I look forward to it now and I think it feels a little, you know, like, it's like, oh, this is Jason Aaron. This is the guy who, you know, was writing my favorite book for a long time. And he can do other things. He's written many of my favorite books. But it's just a, it's just a strong, I don't always like Punisher books. No, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time you did like one. Uh, it's got to be the great Rucka, Rucka book, which yeah. was a long, long time ago. Yeah. So, 
I guess if you're out there and you're reading it or not, or thinking about it, like I, I just I think it keeps getting better. You're not like a Punisher fan, but you no. The Punisher is a vessel that allows interesting stories to be told. That's actually that's absolutely correct. And also, when you had Garth Ennis doing those Punisher stories in like Vietnam, oh, you know, Punisher born. Yeah, but born. also like you know the there was the whole one recently the um not recently but the, the max one that was a few years ago like they just mm-hmm. he can be a vessel to tell interesting stories yes absolutely absolutely punisher what was that called i don't, I don't remember. remember we all liked it though moon Knight 15 i wanted to mention that uh, jen mckay alessandro cappuccio hey. because the aspect of moon Knight i find least interesting is the the did is the multiple personalities like sure. it doesn't it just doesn't interest me that much like get back to Moon Knight's adventures. I don't really need to have them arguing with themselves. But this issue really laid out for me the differences. Like, I don't, and I couldn't have told you the differences between the, the personalities before, you know, between mm-hmm. Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and the other guy. I forget his name. But here, he's having his therapy that, that has been happening throughout the whole story. And he really breaks down the differences. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. I understand these are all separate characters and what they, mm-hmm. what they all mean. You know, Mark is the fist. Steven is the high-class intelligence officer who can move amongst the, you know, rich and powerful. And then the other guy is like the flat cap wearing mustachioed cabbie who moves among Jake. Yeah. Who moves among the dirtbags and delinquents and degenerates of society. Isn't and so, he like the bruiser, though? Well, according to this and the way that Jed McKay is portraying it is that Steven and Jake are basically full-on, like, intelligence officers. Like, they go out and they get the info, and then Mark takes it and punches people. That's basically how they've got it laid out. So then what they thought was, you know what we should do a show about is the one that we don't care about the most. <laughs> right, the, one, the, the most annoying one. Yeah, right. that show was bad. But this book has been good. I've been enjoy- I do really enjoy this book. I, I, the way that Alessandro Capuccio and especially Rochelle Rosenberg color it is really interesting. It's not like your standard Moon Knight coloring. It is when he's wearing this three-piece suit, but... When he's wearing the suit itself, the costume, uh, it's very interesting looking. It doesn't look like anything I've seen before, the way they've done Moon Knight. It's, I can't even describe it, honestly. It's, it's not sketchy, but it's got this interesting contrast of color in the black and white parts. You know, It's just interesting. But I do like it. I do like this book. I think it's a good book. Awesome. Hey, those are the books we wanted to talk about. It was another weirdly light week, but if you go to the, the patreon.com slash ifanboy and you become a patron, every week the patrons vote. Every patron is allowed to vote. This week, eh, not a lot of voting because I don't know if it was as exciting a week. How much voting happens is it depends on how excited the patrons are about what's coming out. This week, by a very slim margin, the winner was Star Trek 400. And we have not talked about a Star Trek comic on this show in I don't know how long. It's been years. I don't remember talking about a Star Trek comic. I'm sure we have in the past. Sure. This is from IDW. This is a celebratory issue of the 400th issue, as I said. And... I can only imagine that for you, Josh, this was gobbledygook. Entirely and completely. This was not a <laughs> it was just not a primer. This was not, hey, let's let's gently remind folks about Star Trek. And so I'm gonna be honest with you, it is gonna it's very difficult for me to even begin to rate this because I, well, I, I didn't know what I was reading. Like there were parts of it, especially like uh, what's I don't I don't know what show it was, but Cole Meany. Call me, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, I have no idea what this is. I know his voice. Yeah. I know what he sounds like when he talks. That was it. <laughs> it's a weird comic. It's a, it's an oversized comic. It's like seventy five pages on my digital reader, but that includes many covers. It has six stories, and they all sort of touch on different aspects of Star Trek. I I didn't love it, hardly any of them. Like I liked the first one, Chris Eliopoulos written. Luke Sparrow drawn. This was the, probably the most you're going to get in terms of an overview of Star Trek of all the that stories. I got because I knew all those characters, but it very much was and like. And it's a, mostly just the. I mean, it is just the original series characters. Right. Sort of it was like st- a preamble, though. You know, like of a. Story. It, it was an overview of. Turns out, Captain Sulu looking back on his career as he goes off to Captain Excelsior, uh, which was in, in this in episode. Uh, I'll say, I'll say issue six, as he goes off on his own in issue episode. Damn it. <laughs> Star Trek Six. Anyway, I enjoyed that one, but that's kind of it. I didn't Did really you understand. Enjoy like you knew the rest of it, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, you know, Miles O'Brien and the Kardashians, the Kardashians, as I have to, the Kardashians, right. it's all very confusing now. Like, I, I recognize many of these sounds. And that was pre-Deep Space Nine. I don't know where it takes place in the continuity. Well, I guess it's from the uniforms, it's, it's definitely pre-Deep Space Nine. It's during the next generation time. I didn't like the art, that story. This whole thing suffered from IDW syndrome, where all, most of the art was not great. Mm-hmm. There was one random page with the uh, Scotty from the J.J. Abrams movies, which was like a non sequitur. Yeah, I didn't even, like, I was like, okay, I recognize all this stuff, but I, I, would, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a one-note joke, because it, I, I was like, I, I don't get it, they fell asleep. Yeah, and then there was a Wesley Crusher story that Will Wheaton wrote that Joe Isma drew. I really like Joe Isma. The problem with, with art like this is that with licensed books is they can work too hard to try to make the characters look like them, the actors, and it just takes away from the storytelling. And So that one was interesting because I have no idea what happened to Wesley Crusher. I recognize it because I, I, you know, I, I saw it enough, but like you, I seem to have to need to know something that I don't know. But I did think from a meta sense, it was really interesting to have Will Wheaton writing it. Yeah. Do you know? This one takes place during this current Picard series. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm struggling to remember what the, the... I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know, I've watched almost all the episodes of all the series, but the details don't always stay in sure. my brain. I believe he was given, like, cosmic powers. As I mentioned here, that he becomes a traveler and some sort of cosmic being. So he went off and did that. And so... So he comes back here to talk to Picard. Does that feel like Star Trek to you? Yeah, I mean, The Next Generation had Q, who was this, yeah, you know. that's fair. Is it my favorite aspect of Star Trek? No, but it, it is without, not without precedent. To me, I think, for me, I think it works better when it's whatever the Star Trek brand of hard sci-fi is. Like, there are rules, there are things. These people are just people who are out there in a bigger thing, and they can try to come to terms with the concepts and stuff that are going on around them, but... Making them well, I mean, even even thing. going back into the original series, and and that's touched upon in the in the final story. There's always been these cosmic beings with power yeah. far beyond our comprehension, which doesn't mean it's not science. It just just means there's always they've always encountered like godlike beings. Sure. And I think at the end of that story, he shows up to see the daughter of Sung, who was in the show. I think they just with the art, you can't tell. I just the art's been a problem. The Starfleeter story, I just even I just skimmed. I was like, I don't like any of this anything that's happening here. With the sort of the, the chibi art, mm-hmm. and then the final story, which is the new thing now with all these anniversaries, is you got to have one that ties into whatever's happening in the book. So this is this is some prelude to the next Star Trek series, featuring um, the character from the original series, Gary Mitchell, who again gained these sort of godlike powers in the original series. He was Kirk's friend, and I just didn't really care because I'm not planning on reading the next series. You know, there was one scene where in, in his pupil we see sort of a, a look at these major characters throughout all the shows, and it's unfortunate that now Jeffrey Hunter has been permanently supplanted by the new guy playing Pike on the new series, because there he is next to Shatner, is who should be Jeffrey Hunter, but is not. So, whatever. I'm a, I'm a Star Trek guy, and I didn't really enjoy reading this. I just don't like really licensed comics. They just never really capture the spirit of mm-hmm. the original thing, because the original thing relies on actors and cinematography and special effects, and this doesn't work for me. Yeah. yeah. Ratings, Star Trek 400. Are you going to give it an incomplete? <laughs> it's tough for me to say. I, cause I don't, I, I'm not the audience, and I don't blame it for that. And it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. But also, you don't like licensed comics and movie stuff. I enjoyed the first story. I really did enjoy the first yeah. story. But that's because I love the original series It so definitely, much. I was like, oh, yeah, Chris is very, he knows how to write Star Trek-y kind of language. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that hopeful aspect of everything. Two and a half? I don't know. That's exactly where I was going. It was two and a half. Yeah. I'll split it down the middle. Are you sticking with it? Are you going to read Star Trek 1? No. No. Right. No. There are very few circumstances that I would. But maybe if this was amazing, I was like, you know sure. what? I'm going for it. I've enjoyed the Star Wars comics a lot more than I would have thought uh, for a while. Let me, let me just say this. Not mad at the choice. No. That's I really I... liked the choice by the patrons. We haven't talked about a Star Trek book. It was not your usual... And I'm, I was happy about the pick. I agree with that. I actually felt the same way, too. Now, that doesn't mean that reading it wasn't fucking torture. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not the pick's fault. It's, yeah. It's uh, the book and circumstances. But there was I was in the middle of that, like, the De- Declan Chalvey written one. And yeah. again, I don't think it was badly written. I couldn't tell you if it was badly written, but I was like, oh, I got nothing here. I, yeah, that was just... Uh, I need to stop the budget on the artists. 
<laughs> all right, patreon.com slash Hemboy. Any patron can vote to the book of the rundown. Thanks to all the patrons who vote. But if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show, like Patrick Rott. And Patrick Rott's superpower is buoyancy. Bloom? He can increase or decrease buoyancy as needed or wanted. Like a submarine. Yeah, I mean, he wants to, he, if he wants to float, if he wants to go down, he can change his buoyancy. Total buoyancy control. Takes on ballast. Let me ask you this. Is he still subject to, uh, like, nitrogen bubbles in the bends? Sure, sure. I mean, that's okay. all, all. He's only controlling the buoyancy. The rest of it still affects him. So he's not going to go down to the, you know, mm-hmm. what I always call the marinara trench. Because you could put some of that <laughs> in a pasta, you guys still have a meal. But, you know, he can't go that deep because, you know, he's still okay. subject to that stuff and all that stuff. But he that's can, fair. You know, if he wanted to, like, go down a little bit, he could do that, no problem. He's not able to just drop down in the Challenger deep. No, 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 no. That's a thing. But if also if he wanted to be completely on top of the water, change the buoyancy. Yeah, every sea is the dead sea to him. That's true. If he was in a submersible. No, it's only himself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do with that as you will, Patrick. I believe he will. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where Patrick went and got a superpower live on the show. We should do one email. One. Pick. I pick? Okay. Kyle F. Kyle F. says, I've moved completely digital about six years ago, and I still have a lot of single issues and some long boxes. I have kicked the tires on selling, donating my books since I rebought most of them digitally. And after all the comicology stuff, I started rebuying graphic novels of runs I love. Have you ventured into binding arcs of single issues together compared to buying collected volumes of books? I'd love to keep my single issues, and if binding them is a solid option, I'm fine with going down that road too. Rather than hunting down every specific volume of the arcs I want, plus I can't pass up having the original ads too. I miss that when reading digitally. I would love to hear your thoughts on binding. I don't have my single issues anymore, so I don't... But I've never bound anything. I think it looks cool. I don't think I'd ever do it if I had my single issues still even. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it because part of the attractiveness of the form is the form. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, if I want... Okay, so this is, has nothing to do with collectability, but it does have to do with history. You know, if I found, like... If I had, like, an old issue... You know, Spider-Man, you know, first run in the 60s or whatever. Like, I wouldn't want it bound. I wouldn't want it to be I would want that issue because it's an artifact. Yes. And you're changing the form of it when binding them. Now, reading comics is the best thing to do with a comic book. So if that's the thing that gets you to read them or preserve them so that you can read them, I have no problem with it. But I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought the same thing when I read this email originally. Is that if I'm going to read the single issue, I want the single issue in my hand and not in a giant bound thing like I, I do have like i don't know four long boxes worth of single issues that i kept the ones i really liked or the you know the ones that were special to me and i've been buying i haven't done it in a while but originally during the pandemic i was buying you know back issues on you know, like an ebay and stuff that i really liked or really wanted you know like stuff that really, yeah. really mattered to me and i wouldn't want to bind those i like having them as the single issues, like holding them right. in my hand and you know the way the paper feels and that that's not necessarily all gone and binding it's not like you're slabbing it but it changes the experience when now you've got a big thick volume of the books instead of the single issue in your hand to me like i, I prefer to read trades i always ha- have as an adult and probably always will but if I'm going to read a single issue, I'd want to read a single issue and not, not have it be bound. And look, they look pretty. Like, you can make them look really nice with, with the spines. You can really make them look cool. It's just mm. not something I'm into. So there's a shop around here that has a big sign, like, we buy comics, and I mm-hmm. look it up, and it's, like, a real reputable thing. And I'm fine with getting rid of my books. Like, I'm 100% okay with it. But they're really heavy, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> and so for years, I've just been like, I should do that. Oh, it took... It took uh Five people, yeah, for me to go because go donate my books. I, five people in a rented van, literally. Yeah, to, I to and I just thought drive thirty long boxes to the to the charity. I yeah, I just thought if I try to do that, I'm gonna be unable to do anything for the next couple of days, or I'm actually gonna hurt myself. And so, mm-hmm. I just you know they're downstairs in the basement. Actually, they're in a few more places. I keep finding more boxes. I'm like, oh, I don't remember. I've lived here for like. Over 11 years, and I, you know, brought the stuff in and just, you know, put it where it was, and then occasionally I had to move it around, but, like, I don't want to disturb it. I'm scared of it now. <laughs> it's become, it's become a bit of a, an anchor. Right. You should wait a couple of years and get your kids to do it. I don't. Lift these boxes, kids. Yeah. If you met, you have met my kids. <laughs> so, 
I, I just want to re- reiterate, while it may not be for us, I just Googled comic book binding and looking at the, like, yeah. it's fucking cool looking. You can emboss, like, the logo on it and, like, this one, I'm looking at this one guy who did Ghost Rider and he's got all the years on the spines and volume numbers in the Marvel logo. Like, you can make it look cool as shit if you do this. Yes. Yes, you're totally right, and that is the case, and I think it's cool. I just, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, just personally, but that's fine. But yeah. if you want to, you can do it, and it looks awesome. If you think you might want to keep your books that way, and you'd rather do that than look for the trades, then totally do it, if that's what you're into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it looks cool, I agree. but I would do it. Patreon, nope, that's not it. Contact.fanboy.com, that's how you can write in, like Kyle, and if you want to get your email on the Mediasplode show, you can also write in there. Make sure you put Mediasplode in the subject line so we know what show it's for. Let's plug some other shows. Uh, this coming week, I think, we'll have our media explode where we're talking about the Poseidon Adventure of 1972, the old men and old movies uh, episode of Media Explode. <laughs> we haven't recorded it yet, which is why I say we should have it. Maybe something, something might go wrong. We won't have to have it done, but that's the plan. It, the plan is for it to come out this week. We may or may not have a talk explode this month. We'll find out. We're all, I think, we're waiting excitedly with bated breath to see if that comes down. <laughs> Next month. We'll be our book explode in Cosmic Odyssey. That'll be our next discussion. So if you want to play along at home, Cosmic Odyssey, the classic uh, DC Elseworld. No, it's not an Elseworld story. It's actually in continuity. I think I think it's Jim Starlin and Mike Mignola. Pretty sure it's I Starlin. Know it's Mike Mignola. I think it's Starlin. That's just me being. Uh, I shouldn't have even jumped, ventured. Maybe it's not. Uh, and then oh, we're gonna have our pick of the week, 850th episode live. That's just in four weeks. It's going to be Friday, October 7th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern-ish. And uh, we'll do it live. We'll do our all-email show like we normally do. So that means send your emails to contact.fanboy.com with 850 the subject line. People have already started doing so. I will just say this as a tip. The earlier you get your email in, the more likely it is to get in the show. Because as the show progresses, we start, we start to skip emails. And we tend to have them in the script chronologically as they come in. So there's your little tip if you want to get it in. Earlier the better. We look forward to all your emails. Ryan will probably join us, though we haven't talked to him yet, but we assume so. So get your emails in for us, any any of us, comic book related, non-comic book related, what have you. And then finally, uh, we meant to plug this last week, but we just totally, we recorded at an unusual time. It was, we were rushed. We forgot to put it in the script. But last week, Josh and Ryan and I all competed head to head on the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show. Uh, which was uh, we were invited on by patron Dan Casino, and uh, he was one of the producers on the show, and we had an s- awesome time doing it. It was so much yeah. fun. You can find the show on usaquizshow.com. Just look for the little image with J. Jonah Jameson, and, or I think, I think it says iFanboy underneath it. Anyway, quiz show, usaquizshow.com slash match slash special dash iFanboy is the full URL if you really want to type that in. But Josh, tell the people about it. It's an incredibly well produced program. Yes, like it was it, the level of sort of preparation and like you know, oh my god, the amount of wrote a bunch of questions that were sort of tailored to the guests that were on there. They asked us what it is that we, you know, wanted to talk about or thought we knew about, and, and put it around that. And it wasn't easy. That was the other thing. We, you know? we had a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the three of us. People are always throughout the history of the show trying to pit us against each other, and so mm-hmm. finally, it literally happened where Josh and Ryan and I all competed in a trivia show and i'll just say that without spoiling it uh according to what they said the it was the closest show they've ever had in terms of the final score so uh it's very close it's a a a comment there it's a nail biter yeah Yeah. what's your comment you know you're not gonna make it i can't it's a spoiler so i can't it's no blowout it's the closest show they've ever had it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time doing it. Even we listened to it because we did it so long before they released it that I forget that I forgot most of it. So it was fun to listen to. Check it out, usaquizshow.com, the great American pop culture quiz show where we competed against each other. And thanks for having us on. That was a lot of fun. You could listen to other episodes as well. Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. You can find all of our shows over at ifanbo.com as well as all of the writing and, and, and content that have showed up there over the years. Uh, you can find the pick of the week before the show comes out so you can be prepared by following at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. Connor and I are both on Instagram, C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. Our YouTube page is youtube.com slash, you guessed it, ifanboy. We have all of our old video shows up. The entire library that exists is there for your perusal. Don't send us screenshots of ourselves. I don't want to see it. <laughs> there were two missing shows we couldn't find, but yes. Damien from Poland reached out to us with the files, and we're going to get the so 
It will be complete. It will be full. Yes, that's our update. So we said before, there were two shows that were missing. One was the Walking Dead show. One was the Vault show. And Damien reached out and said, I had downloaded all the episodes in the past. And I still have the files, so we're just getting our hands on them. We're going to get them up there, and we'll have a complete archive. And thanks to Damien and Poland for doing that. So now we no longer have two missing shows. Well, at least it hasn't happened yet, but we will no longer have two missing shows uh, in our archive. So it'll be a complete archive of all the videos we did from 90, I'm sorry, 2007. Six. (laughs) Or six to to whenever we stopped, 2012? 13? Somewhere around there. All right. So there you go. Thank you for that. Uh, hey, if you like the show, consider writing a review or leaving a story on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you don't uh, support the show in another way, maybe you can help us out by doing that. The algorithm loves more reviews and more ratings and helps people find the show. We thank you who, all who do. And hey, finally, even better than that is, can you tell I'm collapsing mentally? Uh, okay. you, can, you can tell your friends. You can give some word of mouth action. That sounds dirty, but didn't mean it to be. Uh, you can tell your friends, tell your family. Tell anyone, your boss, your new boss at work, start a new job and say, the thing you don't know about me is I really enjoyed this podcast, so you should check it out. I think that's a great icebreaker. I don't recommend putting that on your resume. Maybe. Put a big fan of. <laughs> and uh, we, we do not guarantee or, or, or uh, any kind of employment from that. Don't take my resume recommendations <laughs> in any way. Oh, boy. Hey, that's another show in the books. That was fun. Yes. You know, this is my favorite hour of the week. I know, me it too. It doesn't involve my family. So I just... Just FYI. That's a little thing for you, Josh. I can say it's my favorite. Are you telling me I'm not family? Come <laughs> well, you on. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You have a great family. I, I'll, I'll give you that. You are also family. I know. But if I say it's my favorite hour of the week, then I get looks. Oh, I. Oh, right, right. Does, does, your, does your family sit there monitoring you as you do the show? Yes. They're in the other room. The, you, know, you look through the window, and there's where the, the whole engineering team is. That, that does the show for us, and that's oh, all right, family yeah. members, and yeah, you know, Susie and the guys. Yeah, we got the headset on, pointing at things, and there's a little, little light up sign that says "wrap." So we're gonna wrap now. My name is Connor. I'm Josh. Bye. I smell sex and candy hair. Who's that lounging in my chair? Who's that casting? Devious stares in my direction Marvelous Charlotte is a dream yeah. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl But she doesn't have a lot to say Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl But she changes from day to day I want to tell her that I love her a lot But I gotta get a belly full of wine Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl Someday I'm gonna make her mine Oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make her mine